Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 317 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, we are coming to you, well, not after anything. Uh, the off-season is officially started, so this is kind of the dead time. But somebody tell that to the Kings because they made a signing. Uh, before we get into that, uh, of course, I want to introduce Fong. He is with me today. Hello. Yes, the Kings, uh, they made a move. Um, a surprising move and a move I don't know how to feel about. So the Kings signed Nerlens Noel for a one-year $3.1 million contract. That is the, the league minimum. And uh, that's he's basically going to take the 14th spot on the Kings. The Kings still have one more roster spot and, an, and one more two-way. Uh, the details of this um, this deal has not been released. So James Am brought up a good point. We don't know if this deal is like non-guaranteed, partial guaranteed. Like, do we need to, does it only get fully guaranteed after a certain date? Or is it just straight up non-guaranteed? Or is this a, like a training camp invite type thing? Like where he gets the salary, if like essentially 90% of the salary, like he gets 100K to show up to training camp. And if he stays with after training camp, he he gets the rest of the money. We don't know any of those details. So, you know, before we get into, I guess, the deeper meaning of this contract, uh, what were your thoughts when you first heard that we signed Nerlens Noel? I mean, at least is in the minimum. Yeah, in the minimum. That's all I could say. Um, I mean, out of everyone out there still, I mean, it's in the like i guess above average range in terms of what we could get at this point of time uh since you know in free agency there's really not much i would say that i would really like go for to be honest um but, what about your boy christian wood eh? yeah it still hasn't moved yet <laughs> he's out there he's still out there he's wanting more money so yeah i'm not gonna you know risk uh the available cap we have for him uh but this is you know for neural ones in a well it's no fret one year minimum if it doesn't work out he'll be gone within the year so it's a like well risk uh i get i guess somewhat decent potential but we'll have to see yeah moderately like uh, yeah there's potential but so here's my, here was my kind of thing like about like when there was remember there was a lot of talk around like the trade deadline where a lot of people said hey let's sign Nerlens Noel let's no let's not sign let's trade for Nerlens Noel and then there were rumors out there that the Kings wanted Nerlens Noel and it never truly made sense to me he to me is very similar to Rashawn at least as far as I remember he's probably more defensively minded he he averages a good amount of blocks uh per you know, I think over a block and over one steal, I believe. I'll have to look up the exact stats, but he he plays defense. He's kind of a rim protector, although he is a bit on the smaller side. Again, kind of Rashawn size. So I never truly understood the fascination with him when we had Rashawn. But now that we're, now that we don't have Rashawn, and you know, Nerlens is coming in for three point one million and not twelve million. This is a yeah. This is, I think, a de a decent enough signing. I personally don't really. I'm not. I'm not like over the moon about it, but I don't see why not. 
Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I, thing is, I don't even remember the last time I seen <laughs> Ruins Noel uh, play. Uh, and I mean, if you're going to ask me the question, which team he played before. Who he played for, yes. Yeah. Uh, I want to say, for some reason, the last time I remember is Dallas, <laughs> for some reason. So he was with the Knicks for a bit. And mm. and he was he was good with the Knicks, and then he I think he went to the Pistons, and I think he got released, and then I'm pretty sure he went to Brooklyn. I wish I had to check on that. I got to play who we play for for this one, but you know I see the potential, and again it's a minimum scale contract, and you're basically getting a defense more defensively minded, uh, the more defensively minded Rashad Holmes. So I I don't I don't I again I don't mind it. And again, you don't have Rashawn anymore, so it makes sense to why not take take a chance on a guy like this? Yeah, and especially for low minutes, I mean, he really doesn't need to do much. I feel uh, like you said, just play his usual defense. Maybe if he gets open, that's you know three points right there. Um, and you know, I wouldn't say he would be a huge contributor in terms of you know the offensive end, but. Definitely, hopefully, the defensive, uh, you know, aspects of him will uh, still be there when, you know, he comes to the Kings. Yeah, so uh, let's move on to the second part of this deal. Look, the elephant in the room is Namias Keita is still the restricted free agent right now. And he. I, I assume he wants a full roster spot because, you know, we st- the Kings still have a two-way available and... As f- from what I've heard, they they are will they're willing to give that to Nimi. Mm-hmm. But n- now that they've signed Nerlens Noel, it's very unlike it's very unlikely that the Kings are going to give him the 15th spot Ooh. because you're going to have a you know another influx of centers. You have um, Sabonis, and then you have Alex Len, and Nerlens Noel, and then it's Nimi. And like, if you really want to get like, I guess. I guess even I guess even more bleak for Nimi. Trey Lyles is a backup five, technically, if you think about it. Yeah. He can play in that spot. So there's not a lot of places for Nimi. And does this spell the end for Namias Keda in Sacramento? Sadly, it might have to come that way. Um now I don't know if you know he will decide to stay in the G League or you know go overseas for all we know, but I mean, from what we've seen, it's not, of, you know, from Kata, I mean, uh, for, you know, throughout all the years, it just doesn't seem like he has improved ever since he got drafted by us. So I don't know. It, it was a good project in theory in the beginning, in my opinion. But I mean, if he's going to continue to be the same since he's been drafted, I, I don't know where to go from there, to be honest. I think he's made strides, but the the uh, as we pointed out during our summer league episodes, like he had he has he his limbs just look weak, and we he has the case of like his limbs go going like you know like an arm was it inflatable long was it wavy, Ugh, f- fuck me I can't can't think of the name but like wavy long arm tube men however however that one's called basically his 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 like. He's like one of those toys where you squeeze and the limbs just go, just kind of, you know, fly out to the side. Like he, he just doesn't seem to have like the core strength. And 
that's really my only issue with him. Other than that, like he was really good. He looked dominant for stretches. Like he's huge. He's got touch around the rim. And, you know, he, you can run offense through him, like, as in that one summer league game. So I really actually liked a lot of what I saw. And the rim – I liked his rim protection at summer league. I thought he was mm-hmm. really good on, at that on that end. But, Am I, oh. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just the only thing for me is his positioning still a little off, in my opinion. I, I disagree. I thought his positioning was great. For the most part, like, of course, he's not a guy that can guard the perimeter. That's just not going to be his thing. But like, I thought like him in the pick and roll, just kind of essentially shading the entire like side, the way he was able to, I thought was really good. Hmm. I see. Well, hopefully he sticks around. I, to be honest, I'm not GM. I don't know how this will go about. I mean, will he still stay in, uh, you know, the Stockton Kings and maybe we could pick him up in the future or like, will he just depart and go elsewhere? I I don't know. I I personally would like to see him stick around. But from what I've heard, like, there's not much for Stockton. There's not much for him in Stockton. He dom- He kind of dominated Stockton, although I hear he was inconsistent. So maybe that's something he can work on. But, like, you know, I think, unfortunately for him, like, his best path at this point, like, unfortunately for the Kings, is elsewhere, like, on another team that's willing to take a chance on him. Like, right now, from what, I, from what I'm hearing online is that the Thunder are going to start cutting guys or start trading guys because, you know, God, you know, God forbid you have 10,000 draft picks, you keep using them, you refuse to trade, and you keep stocking up more, too. They're, they have to start cutting guys, so... Honestly, it wouldn't be the worst idea for them to trade for Nimi because they don't really have a center, as far as I know. Like, you know, Dario Sarge left and Jalen William or the, the, from Arkansas is their only real backup center. Like, I think he can thrive a little bit in Oklahoma City as a backup center, you know, behind Chet. Yeah, it'll be pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about Chet. Kind of excited to see how it goes down in OKC once the regular season starts. Yeah, so the, his best his best path for pr- probably isn't on the Kings. It's hopefully somewhere that will just let him play minutes. I I ref- I don't want to say the Rockets because that's a mm. that's a mess. I don't want I don't wish that hell up on anyone. So, um, you know, a team that just needs a center and that they can you know invest the time into develop into developing. So he he could still stay now of course as we mentioned we don't know if nerland noel nerland's noel's uh contract is guaranteed or anything there there could be like a free-for-all during training camp where it says all right you you guys like the centers just play like they're just gonna pit uh nimi against alex len they're gonna pit him against nerland's noel they might even pit him against trey lyles and just say hey go out there do what you do and we'll see how you do it. Maybe he outperforms them and just earns that backup spot, which would be very impressive. So maybe he just does that. And who knows? Like, I, I'm still kind of high on Nimi. Like, I, like I, you just said, like, you don't you didn't really love his positioning and his rim protection. I thought it was really good. And I think you can really work with that. But this move probably signifies that the organization doesn't think he's ready, but he might think otherwise. Hmm. I guess we'll see. But definitely, if Kata does stick around, I feel like if he, you know, of course, makes it to the main roster spot, definitely a lot more minutes, more, uh, you know, um, 
uh, I guess a better learning experience, I guess you could say, since, uh, you know, the G week is a lot different from, uh, you know, a regular season team. Yeah. The only way he's going to get better, I think is going to be on the main roster. And unfortunately for him, the Kings are in a position where like, they're trying to win and like, they just don't really have time to develop them. It just, I mean, I guess it sucks that it's, that his first year was just such chaos because that was the opportunity for him to get minutes and develop. But um, Alvin Gentry at the time did not play him. And you kind of saw, you definitely see why now, just because he doesn't look ready a lot of the time. But like there were, there were flashes and they could, and like, you know, it was a lost year anyways. Why not just play him? But, you know, now it's kind of just sink or swim time. And I guess he's got to prove if like the Kings are willing to be able, like make the Kings comfortable of just throwing him into the fire. Like throw him, throw him on the deep end and see if he floats. I guess is the saying. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. All right, let's move on to the other Kings news. Uh, I guess that's gonna probably be the only thing for a while. <laughs> so uh, the Athletic, uh, the Sam Amick and Anthony Slater released a essentially a co article where they both talked to Marty McNair about their off season. And it had a lot of nuggets in it. And uh, just, I, I want to talk about it. Um, so uh, you did say you did read a little bit of it, but you don't read the whole thing, right? Yeah, I saw Reddit posts about it. Pretty much kind of gave like the gist of uh, s- some questions that uh, Monty answered. But I mean, that's pretty much all I got. Okay, so we'll go a little bit more into detail about it. Um, there's there's some really interesting things I do want to talk about a little bit more in depth. Hell, time to get, get even a little petty about some stuff. So you know, let's get into it. So um, so during free agency and uh, well, let's start. Yeah, let's start with free agency. During free agency, Monty McNair did check in on Kuzma and OG. Those were real things. And, you know, he decided to ultimately not pounce on those moves. And Sam Amick and Aunt Anthony, they talked about like that's very um that lines up with just his approach with being patient for the right move and not kind of jumping into like you know overpaying for someone like you know OG like Messiah I assume wants like three draft picks and probably Keegan Murray he ain't doing that and I appreciate it he's being patient and Kuzma he I think he wanted like a lot of money and four years and probably a bigger offensive role you know, Monty may or may not have said like, no, that's, we're not giving you like that much money when you're, you know, like marginally better than Harrison Barnes. At least that's what I would assume he, he kind of thought. Yeah, it's understandable. Um, I mean, how much do you get again? Almost 30 mil? Uh, um, like just on like just over 100 mil over four. Oh, so 25. I'm sorry. Yeah, right I, around 25. Come on, forgetting, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much you know the rest of our cat space, nothing much more to move in the future. At that point, if we did get Kuzma pretty cemented for the next how many X amount of years, uh, with this team, so I can see why, um, Monty you know, then jump the gun on this one because I feel like he's more into, you know, kind of like the longevity of uh, how long we could uh, keep this core together. 
Yeah, and I, I he he emphasized a lot about just be, the patient approach and just you know building for you know years to come, and again like rushing like rushing to overpay a guy just doesn't seem to be in his like he he doesn't have that impulse in him, and I appreciate that. And again, like Kuzma, like argue just he's better than Barnes, but like how much better? And like, if you want to bring up like how Barnes did in the playoffs, like a lot of people brought that up. Kuzma ain't been good in the playoffs. Like, what are we talking about? He was pretty bad in the playoffs for the most part. Like his in his two series in his two in his two years in the playoffs. So, like, it's not a guy ultimately you probably go to overpay. And you know, Monty definitely didn't think so. And then again, the OG stuff. Masai is probably asking for the fucking moon and he's not backing off of it. And I appreciate that he, again, he didn't pull the trigger and pay like, again, like three draft picks and Keegan probably. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, not like you said, not many teams has that kind of assets to make that kind of move. So hopefully Masai kind of tones it down in the future. But that when that day comes, that's, <laughs> I, I'm probably not going to believe what I, I just saw, really. Uh, so Monty also checked in on Pascal and OG during the trade deadline. They didn't, I don't think they mentioned anything about um, him checking in on Pascal during the trade deadline or during free agency, but apparently Pascal is available now. So we'll see what happens with that. Maybe there's a deal to be made. Maybe there isn't. We'll see. Um, okay. Uh, the next, the next big part about the article, the Kings sent the brigade to, to go get Sasha. And the, one of the reasons why, he thinks like he the, the article details that he spent way more effort in trying to recruit Sasha than he did anyone in free agency. And the reason why he did that is because he thinks Sasha is going to be a difference maker. Hmm. That is interesting. I wonder what he meant by that. Why are we talking about because of his shooting or, you know, like, I think he he takes the Kings offense to another level. Like I mentioned, I love like his shooting is great. The off ball movement is what gets me like because he moves so like so efficiently, so smart, great feel on just how to like, you know, back cut guys. And just to be just to find the open spot, like always just moving without the ball. And when the ball touches touches his hands, if he doesn't have, if he doesn't like do something, if like nothing is open, immediately moves it. And so just so efficient with the ball, so quick. I think he he's gonna unlock so much on offense. Defense, you know, you know what he's gonna do for you? He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna make the other team take the ball out of the net a lot. And that's the best defense you can provide. <laughs> oh yeah. So I think I I would actually I don't know about a difference maker. I have like a really high threshold for you know true difference makers, but he is going to improve what is already like statistically the greatest offense of all time. Well, I guess we'll have to see. Uh so the the article also details like the Kings were really early on Sasha. Like I assume like maybe after the the trade or maybe even before the trade, but um, Colin Mont Montague, I think is how you pronounce it, the King's director of analytics. He watched tape on uh, Sasha early and absolutely like he flagged him. They're like saying, that's a guy we've got to keep an eye on. 
And he basically talked like the scouts in, in the Kings organization and like they scouted him and they loved him. It's so much so like the word kind of got around the organization all the way up to like guys like Wes Wilcox. And of course, ultimately um, to, Mon- to Monty McNair, like, hey, this guy, this guy's really, really good. And it's definitely a guy we should definitely target. So the Kings were really early on him. Hmm, that's interesting. Right. Uh, not many articles came out because <laughs> do I talk about this to be honest and uh, uh, whatchamacallit I don't think any other teams were trying to pursue him right and so this is the this is the funny part in the in, in the Kings trade to get Sasha from Cleveland Cleveland sent over money to us to take Sasha huh so like yeah not a lot of like you know, just outside the Kings organization, not a lot of guys were into Sasha here. Like, this is really the only time that he's really been pursued um, since he was drafted by the Brooklyn Nets. Like, in the same draft that De'Aaron and Malik were in. Jeez. Yeah, that's been a while. So, just a really interesting little nugget. But, yeah, the the Kings were in on him, like, really early. Now, I, I and probably does mention it in the article. I don't have the actual, like, year. But, yeah, like, Montague, Montague spotted him early. And it's been a thing in the organization since. And, again, they sent over the, the brigade. Like, they sent over Mike Brown. They sent over Jordy. They sent over Jay Triano. They sent over Matina. And... If you don't know the significance of that, Matina was the person that got Hito Turkoglu here. So like she, she, and like, she speaks like Spanish and like Greek and all, and like a bunch of languages. So like, she's got connections like overseas and they sent her over. And it's just, yeah, again, they sent the entire brigade over. That's how in they were on him. Well, let's hope (laughs) we can see some uh, good basketball from him. I mean, I'm pretty sure from all the talks that, uh, whatchamacallit, I mean, like I said, bringing the whole brigade to him, I mean, it must be pretty serious. Like, I just think he's going to be so good because he, he's not really going to be a star anymore, and, and hopefully that's not an issue. There's going to be so, I think, so little focus on him from the defense that he's just going to just get so many more open shots. Now you have De'Aaron Fox creating for you. You have Demonis Abonis creating for you. You have Malik Monk creating for you. And like Kevin Herter, these got, these, this is like high-level like creators. And there's going to be more space for him to work with. And it's just, it's going to be amazing for him on offense. And again, the defense, you, you, you take what you can get. And again, he gives you the most important thing about a defense. He makes the other team take the ball out of the net. Mm-hmm. Okay, moving on from that, uh, yeah, just to just to be really just to start this section off really petty. Remember the Jay Nivey and Keegan Murray conversation? <sighs> yep. A Remember lot. how many people gave the king shit and said they fucked up again. This is a Kang's move when they took Keegan, including us. <laughs> like, let's not forget. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was not a fan of the key of the Keegan uh pick. Remember, I lined up lined out but in the episode before the draft, the worst case scenario was that they pick Keegan Murray with the fourth pick and don't trade back or don't trade or don't um draft Keegan or Jay Nivey and trade something for him. They I literally called it the worst case scenario. And guess what? He's been amazing. It it was the right pick. Yeah, pretty much proved everyone wrong. I mean, I remember all those um, 
there's so many grading videos <laughs> that gave like below a B, I'd say, for the Kings that season. And a lot of the sentiments kind of followed my sentiment. Is is not it wasn't anything wrong with Keegan. I I I didn't really enjoy his scout like his his like scouting him like watching Hoop Intellect's video on him. I did not really like his game much at all. And you like it wasn't anything wrong with him. It's just you don't do that with a fourth pick because you need the you need to get the guy with the highest ceiling because you're not going to get the fourth pick again when you know. Is this your only chance to get a star, you know? And at the time, that's that was the thinking. Even though, like, for the longest fucking time, the Kings needed a wing, and like they dra- they finally drafted a wing. It just it like I I was one of those guys that just said like the Kings need a star, and like here's the thing: if Keegan was the fifth pick, great fucking pick. That's a great pick. But the fact that he was the fourth pick, like I raised my, I rolled my eyes at that. Uh, yeah, to be honest, I forgot what I said. And I'm pretty sure I'm in the same vein as you at the time. But I mean, luckily it did work out. Um, I mean, there probably wasn't really a good trade, I guess, uh, if we were to, you know, trade back and, you know, pick Keegan again. But I mean, it's, there, it's, there was some hope that the Kings would trade back to fifth. And like yeah. get, you know, like we didn't know. I, I didn't know Sadiq Bay was available. Like if we could have gotten Sadiq Bay too, that would have been pretty amazing. But it is what it is. I, like honestly, the, the Pistons could really use Keegan Murray because Lord have mercy, they need some shooting. <laughs> so, but granted, Shane Ivy is good, and I think he will be really good. And this is just a little bit of a petty early victory lab. I think he will be good. Um, but. Um, go, going back to kind of the conversation, like um, there, Monty talked about how, what he saw in Keegan in college, like, you know, top score, like one of the best scores in college basketball and just like how, how his feel was really good. He did not expect him to be this good of a shooter, which uh, at that point, I'm actually kind of surprised you drafted him because what does distinguish him is his shooting, but he thought he was an inside out guy and you know, things have worked out. Things have worked out the way they did. Like he, re- like Keegan, really improved his shooting. And you know, right from the beginning of California Classic, that first play where he hits the three, I was like, oh, I didn't think he could shoot, but he's a shooter. Yeah, he, he's getting a lot more confidence as well, especially you know, practicing his inside game and you know, ha- trying to handle the ball the best he could. But I mean, it can go only could go up from here, really. Yeah, like I'm really interested in just seeing how his development. If you can get to a point where, like, let's just say for whatever reason they decide, like in a Lakers series, they put Austin Reeves on him. They put essentially their worst perimeter defender on him. He ain't gonna let that shit go. Like, let's just say, for example, D'Angelo Russell's guarding. Oh, I'm taking I'm taking that dude into my spots and I'm just gonna shoot over him. Like, if he can turn into that, that does unlock the Kings' offense a lot. Oh, yeah. Let's hope that <laughs> happens, to be honest. Well, that's kind of what the Kings are kind of expecting from him, at least like up top, at least what Monty was willing to disclose. Like they're really high on him since that Warriors playoff series. And they think they want him anyway to become a second or third option, as opposed to kind of being the fourth or fifth option that he was this year. Hmm. I feel like he'll develop into that position. I maybe i just can't see it for this year yet in the future definitely though 
Yeah, like I mentioned, like he was amazing in in the California Classic, but the handle I don't know if it's functional against actual NBA defenders because it was still really loose. He didn't seem fully, you know, confident in it just yet. Maybe a lot more summer work will really like polish it, but as it currently constructed, I don't know if it's actually a functional handle just yet. But you know, you real you really like what you saw. Like he was taking step backs he was getting to his spots and just shooting over guys mm-hmm. yeah i mean it, his position's ugh, his position's pretty expendable i feel i mean if he's not going to be the second or third option out there i mean we still have herder still there to back him up and you know of course fox and sabonis and also harrison barnes uh you know being there just you know in case if you know things didn't work out uh, or he uh, ends up cold and starting out yeah, uh, the Kings have a lot of options, but but like in order for the Kings to take that next leap, I think that he's going to need to be a facsimile of what the Kings are expecting him to be. Um, a scout uh, who who was who watched Keegan um, during the California Classic and a little bit before that, he was in the building uh, for Keegan's performances. He see he sees the improvement from year. There there are shades that he sees similar to to the leap that Kawhi Leonard took during his like early year where he was a he was remember he was a role player with the Spurs but then he blossomed into an absolute star that he is now like he sees some similarities between what what Kawhi ended up becoming and what Keegan has showed at, at the California Classic mm, that's gonna be interesting I mean I mean that means he's putting in a lot of work really and uh hopefully we do see a lot more improvement from uh you know going on to the regular season then i mean if he turns into a wild offense jesus <laughs> it's, not, it's not bad yeah that is not bad so we'll see even sam vicini apologized because of sam vicini thought he was going to be just a role player but even he admitted he he's he's going to be somebody so and sam vicini is a really good scout so you know that that's a that's someone that's a lot of optimism going towards keegan right now and yeah we'll see if he becomes uh, that player because the the Kings are kind of counting on it by not making the by not like you know making those moves they're being patient right now and if Keegan can take that next step like that opens up so many doors like just he's gonna be he's gonna be the key to whether this weirdly enough where this whether this team can win a championship or not yeah I guess we'll have to see Okay, uh, moving on to the Sabonis uh, portion of the article. Uh, Sabonis will not be having surgery on that thumb, uh, but will instead, he he had a series of appointments with doctors, and he the plan right now is to follow a strict rehab schedule, um, just, you know, to, you know, to let his uh, hand uh, heal naturally, and he but he will be ready for the start of training camp, um, as it is planned right now, if everything goes right. I mean, like we said in the previous episode, he knows his body best. Um, if he thinks this is the best for him, go for it. Uh, hopefully his shooting will, you know, come back naturally uh, by the time training camp and regular season starts. Because, I mean, his mid-range was not there during the Warrior series. Yeah, I just hopefully like he can still practice because he does need to practice his mid-range game just to open up a little bit more spacing. Like, because he is going to need to threaten from the outside at some point if the Kings are going to again take that next step. Yeah, we'll see. 
Um, an interesting point that honestly I've forgotten. So they talk about the extension and how important that was for Sacramento. Because at one point, there was a belief around the league that he would not have wanted to stay in sack. And that brought back the memories of, do you remember the Knicks game where Julius Randle, I think, went for 46 points? And he, and Sabonis, for the first time in his career, got ejected in the fourth quarter because he, he, because he yelled at a ref. And that was kind of the moment where I, I remember doing an episode with you. Like, is this him, like, just... Has he already had enough, like literally two games, like five games into, into being a king? Mm, I vaguely, yeah, I vaguely remember <laughs> that, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, game and episode, but I don't recall what we said about whether or not if he's, you know, already done with, at that point. I mean, it's only five games in, so I'm assuming he's going to ride out the next season uh, to see, you know, how things go, right? Yeah, I, I was, I mean, I always assume like, you know, this season, whether you, you hope, we hope that it would go good, but like this season was going to be the make or break for the Kings because if things gone bad, like, yeah, that very much could have been the reality because, you know, it, Sacramento, like it is, it, 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 it's been vast, it's been the basketball like wasteland for a while, for 16 years to be exact, you know, good things just don't happen there. And it's going to take a Herculean effort to turn that to turn that reputation to lift that cloud from the franchise and yeah the, the, i mean they've done that but had it gone the other way it, we very much could be looking at yeah he doesn't want to be here and it doesn't matter that you're going to throw 200 million dollars at him he can get that elsewhere and you know you, you trade a tyrese for nothing basically like would have been a real talking point yeah and luckily it didn't happen because it you know that if that did happen Dear God, <laughs> like, I don't know what where we're going to go from there, to be honest. Uh, the next point is uh, Sabonis and Mike Brown. Like, they they had they, it took a while for them to figure out the middle ground between how uh, Sabonis, like, how Sabonis should be utilized. And apparently, they didn't figure that out until February. I will say, I don't fully remember that process. It, it felt just so organic, I thought, but apparently, that was a thing. And uh, last thing about just kind of contracts in general. Uh, that the um, article talked about. So Fox, Herder, and Barnes are signed through 25 and 26. So bonus now with this extension, 20 signed all the way to 27, 28. The Davion is extension eligible next summer. For some reason, I kept thinking it was this summer. And Keegan, two summers from now. So that's just kind of the contract um, implications. And I bring that up as well, just because a sign of a good general manager is that you do line up your um contracts pretty like in sync well you don't you usually actually don't want them to be like all expiring within the same year but of course like you assume that fox is going to get an extension and you know things go well like herder will probably get an extension and we'll see what happens with barnes but it seems like this it seems to me like the uh the contracts in terms of like their length are structured in a, a pretty good way where they sync up with each other i think anyway yeah, and I see what you mean. I mean, who knows? Probably in, during that time, <laughs> there's going to be a bigger cap space and, you know, more money to throw around. And by that time, I mean, you know, more money for all these players that are, you know, willing to come back. And I'll make one more point. I talked to I talked to um my coworker about um how, you know, Kevin Herter did not have a good playoffs. He was pretty bad in the first round. 
and he said he was out on him. I'll say this about Herter. Don't trade him. Don't trade him, at least unless it's for like a really, really amazing deal. Because right now, unfortunately for him, he's stuck on a pretty bad deal for what he does. He's he's around like 15, 16 million. And with the cap going up, that's only going to just be a better contract by by the day. And he's a guy that provides a certain skill set, the ability to shoot off the move and like the feel. And he's also, again, as I mentioned, just one of the sneaky best, like sneaky good finishers around the rim, like shoot 60% from two. He's a really good player and he's a player worth keeping around unless you can get a star. Like I'm not trading him like unless you're unless it's an OG or uh Pascal Siakam trade. Like that's how that's how highly I value him. Hmm. Oh yeah. Don't I mean, sleep on Herder, because Herder's a very valuable asset, especially going forward. Yeah. And it's too bad we're paying this low for him, but I mean he that's why he signed for yeah, him. He, he, you know, he pulled he basically he got Scotty Pippen in a way because the cap keeps going up, and he signed a an extension with the Hawks, who were bringing him off the bench at the time. So yeah, don't 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 be mad at us. Um, be mad at the Hawks. So yeah, I mean, hopefully by that time we could we'll be able to extend him to a bigger contract, <laughs> and uh, you know, yeah, if yeah. I don't know. We'll have to see about that, Pascal and OG thing. I, I feel like it's not going to happen. I just feel like we're going to keep pretty much the same core and maybe in the future, uh, you know, something bigger will happen. Yeah, Monty will be patient, that we know. And he's not going to overpay for someone. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, that does it for the article. Uh, one last thing before we head out. Uh, Slam balls back. Uh, for those of you that were a fan back then, I did not watch it back then. I did not know this was on, but it looks pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> and it's it's pretty cool that it's gonna it's gonna come back. I wonder what who the players are gonna be. Is it gonna be like former NBA? Well, probably not because they can already done, but I don't know. It, it just looks so fun. It, for those of you that don't know, it's basically basketball, but everyone's wearing padding and there's trampolines around the basket for them to do crazy, ridiculous slam dunks. Yeah, I remember seeing clips uh, back in the day, but you know, <laughs> didn't think much of it to be honest. Uh, I mean, it looks pretty cool. Um, it'll be interesting if they do get uh, signed, like uh, known like former NBA players or you know other basketball players around the world uh, that can uh, do these kind of tricks. But uh, that kind of reminds me. I wonder if uh, Big Free is going to be still around. I think it is. I think Ice Cube did say something about it on a tweet, but I don't. Mm. I don't remember the exact thing. But you know, there, there's going to be there's going to be stuff hopefully during the off season because boy is going to be dry for a few for a few months. Yeah, I mean, you got any plans for uh, future episodes? You think so? Uh, so that next episode, um, we're gonna do a I guess a retro review. I've never actually watched this, so I don't I don't consider it retro, but it might be a retro for some people. We are gonna do Kuroko no basket. That's gonna that's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh this was this was Fong's idea. I finally gave in. <laughs> yeah. And also we're gonna we're gonna try and figure this out, but like we're we're gonna review a retro game. We'll we'll keep that a secret of what game it's gonna be, but it's gonna be a fun one. Oh yeah. And I guess we'll have to see when it does come out. 
yeah so we do have we do have stuff planned for the summer so yeah do stay tuned and yeah we'll, I, there might not be as many episodes because it is just hard to come up with content but there will be there will be episodes so do, do stay tuned oh yeah okay um i don't have anything else uh, do you have anything else you want to quickly talk about or no well i mean are you excited for diablo for uh season one coming out tomorrow not really because i haven't finished the campaign so i, uh, I need more time i, I need more time so well you know. if you, if you listen to all the news that has come out not too pretty with the patch notes if you uh happen to read them i will read them afterwards but no i am not ready for the season can we push it back <laughs> push it back wait wait for me to finish up first <laughs> yeah you're not we're not gonna do that <laughs> but another thing is uh i remember our friend texting us in the group chat that uh overwatch 2 is planning to come on steam i don't know why i don't know why i should care i don't care but why is Blizzard? Sorry, I fell asleep while you said that. And why? why? <laughs> Who cares anymore? I know. Yeah, which is too bad. I do like Overwatch, but man, they don't. Blizzard took like before Diablo Four. They took so many L's. Like they just could not stop fucking up. Yeah, I mean, I can't say for the you know World Warcraft side of things because we, I mean, we don't play it. I'm assuming it's doing well with their expansions and crap, but yeah, I mean, we haven't played a single Blizzard game since, um, you know, the transition from Overwatch 1 to Overwatch 2, really. Yeah, until this Diablo 4. Yeah, I mean, we had kind yeah. of abandoned Blizzard, so, you know, we'll, we'll see if they make a comeback, but it's, it's not looking great, although Diablo 4 is fun, but as you said, it's not looking pretty already, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I mean, maybe they'll prove us wrong uh, once the season starts. Uh, I mean, maybe it's yeah, maybe we'll forget it. But definitely, the game that kind of disappointed me for the past you know month plus is uh, Destiny Two. Sadly, <laughs> and you know, you guys know that I played a lot of Destiny Two, and I cut that down a lot ever since uh, Diablo Four came out. Well, you'll you'll be back soon. We know how this goes. Oh yeah, <laughs> sadly enough. Okay, well that's all we have. I assume. Uh, yeah, just gonna just gonna cut off this episode because, you know, we we do we do have stuff to get back to, but don't, do stay tuned. We do have interesting episodes coming forward. As you as we mentioned, Kuroko no basketball or Kuroko no basket. Sorry, and and a retro review of a very very fun game. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll see you guys later.